Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is the evidence-based podcast that looks into paranormal occurrences that happen here in the United States. I'm your host, Michelle, and I am a skeptic by nature, but I really do want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and open to the possibilities of what might be out there. Join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and I present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I will present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports and we will see where the two meet. So join me in exposing the paranormal. This is the third and final episode in the series covering the exorcism of Roland Doe. The first two episodes covered who Roland Doe was, the possession of Roland Doe, the exorcism of Roland, and the aftermath of all that happened. In this final installment of the series, I'm going to be addressing the exorcist movie that is based on the exorcism of Roland Doe. If you have not listened to the first two episodes, you definitely should. It will better help you understand why the filming of the movie might have experienced paranormal phenomenon. It's also quite a fascinating story to hear, so make sure you check out the first two episodes in this series before listening to this episode. You may wonder why I am covering a movie for a paranormal episode. And don't worry, I'm not here to do any mystery science theater or anything like that. I'm here to talk about the paranormal events that happened while the filming of the Exorcist movie took place. It seems as though maybe the demon associated with Roland may not have been so happy about his story being told. The Exorcist movie actually takes us to multiple locations, as filming took place in New York, Washington DC, and Iraq. But now I'm going to get into the details for your enjoyment. Roland Doe, otherwise known as Robbie's possession, and exorcisms all happened in the year 1949. There was quite a bit of talk for a time due to the newspaper articles being printed in many newspapers, and this information had been leaked by Robbie's minister. Fortunately for Robbie and his family, his identity was kept out of the papers, and without a name to go by or people to interview, eventually people kind of forgot about the exorcism of this random kid. And if you listened to episode 2 in the series, you will know we do now know the identity of Roland Doe, but that wasn't found out until recently. The movie came about because of a man named William Peter Blatty. In 1949, he was attending school in Washington, D.C. at Georgetown University. And there he was pursuing a degree in English and would eventually get his master's. While there, he came across an article of Roland Doe's exorcisms in the Washington Post. He wasn't the only one intrigued, though. The family and all the students there were talking about it. But as time wears on, Blatty eventually forgot about the case. He graduated, he went on to write books, and was best known for being a comedy writer. I mean, who would have thought the guy that would go on to write The Exorcist would have been a comedy writer? 
but Blatty decided he wanted to dabble in the horror genre. His mind eventually took him back to the exorcism case he'd read about years ago and decided he would base his book off that case. In 1971, Blatty's book, The Exorcist, was published and released, and it was a phenomenon. The book eventually became a bestseller. It even topped the New York Times bestsellers list for 56 weeks, and 17 of those weeks, it was in the number one spot. When he published his book, he had little facts to go on other than the pretty vague newspaper articles. Therefore, the book is based on a true story in a sense, but it should by no means be thought of as to portray what actually happened to Roland Doe. Blatty himself even stated he only used the case as an idea, and everything in the book came from his head. He also went on to write the movie called The Exorcist, and the movie was bought by Warner Brothers Studio. This is where the first signs of the paranormal involved with the movie begin. Warner Brothers Studios' head at that time was reading The Exorcist book at night while lying in bed to prepare himself for the movie. He wanted to see what he was in for. He called his dog onto the bed, and the dog always slept with him. But that night, the dog refused to come onto the bed with his owner. The owner was a little weirded out, so he got out of the bed and tried to drag the dog onto the bed, but the dog fought as hard as he could. Eventually, the dog gave up and got onto the bed to lay with his owner. The studio head then went back to pick the book up, but he had to throw it back down as the book was hot to the touch. Maybe that was the first sign that they shouldn't make this movie, but apparently nothing would stop them, as you will find out. The opening scenes from the movie do take place in Iraq for the archaeological dig, but then the rest of the movie was shot mostly in the States. The famous Exorcist House, located in Washington, D.C. at 3600 Prospect Street, does look a little different than the home in the movie. A false exterior was added onto the home in which you will see the window that is Reagan's room. There's also now a large fence around the property so people can't traipse around the property whenever they feel like it. You cannot tour the home as it is a private residence, but you can see the famous steps where the priest met his untimely end in the movie. Most of the interior scenes in the movie were not shot in the home. They were actually shot on a film set in New York. Production for the movie began in August of 1972, and it was set to last just over three months. But because of all the events with the movie, it actually lasted double that time, taking about six months to shoot the movie. Warner Brothers had budgeted $2.5 million for the project, which is about $12 million today. But because of the extra time and events that took place, it went way over budget, costing $12 million, which is the equivalent of $58 million today. That's $9.5 million over budget. Warner Brothers was not happy with this at all, as they didn't see this movie as being a hit blockbuster. 
They figured they'd have a hard time recouping their money they had spent at all, let alone making any profit. The Exorcist movie was released on December 26th of 1973. Yes, Merry Christmas everyone, here is some pea soup vomit. <laughs> Luckily, Warner Brothers was very wrong and the film was a huge hit. To this day, it ranks as one of the top grossing movies of all time. And it is actually the highest grossing film for Warner Brothers to this day. Though, not everyone was happy with this movie. For those of you not familiar with the book or the movie, it was quite scary for its time. It focuses on a young girl named Reagan who is possessed, while two priests try to save her. It's pretty vivid with what happens from projectile vomiting and 360 degree head turns to levitation and sexually graphic movements and language from the girl. And this was hard for audiences to watch as she's a 12-year-old girl who looks like she could be the neighborhood kid next door. It was said that people at the movies were so overcome with what they saw at the theater that they would faint, vomit, or run in terror from the theaters. Many places even banned the movie from playing, which probably just made more people want to go and see it. It got so bad that some cinemas had ambulances outside the theater and provided vomit bags for people going in to watch the movie. That was lucky for one woman as she was watching the movie when she fainted from watching the film. When she fell, she ended up breaking her jaw. This phenomenon happened all around the world. During a screening of the film in Rome, Italy, the devil definitely made his presence known. As the movie started, lightning struck a church directly across the street from the movie theater. And people all over began talking about the movie and its curse, which, of course, built more intrigue for people to go and see it. Vladdy ended up winning an Academy Award and a Golden Globe for his film, and it was the first horror film to be even nominated for an Oscar. Due to its wild success, a sequel to The Exorcist was put into motion, but Vladdy refused the project, though he did write and direct The Exorcist 3, which came out in 1990 and was based on another one of his books called Legion. In 2010, the movie was added to the National Film Registry to be preserved as it was deemed culturally significant. But you aren't all listening to this podcast to listen to me drone on and on about a guy who made the movie and how well the movie did, right? I mean, let's get into what happened on the set and why many believe the movie was cursed. From the beginning of the filming, problems arose right off the bat. Though, at first, no one speculated it had anything to do with a curse or a demon. They thought it was just bad luck. Just as filming was getting underway, Linda Blair had quite a blow to her personal life. And for those of you who don't know who she is, Linda Blair is the actress that played the possessed 12-year-old girl in the movie named Reagan. In that first week of filming, her grandfather ended up passing away in November of 1972, leaving some downtime in the filming process for her to grieve and attend the services for her grandpa. 
another actor met with a similar tragedy. And this actor was Max von Sydow, who actually played Father Marin in the movie. He'd only been on set for one day when he had to fly back to his home country of Sweden, and this was due to the devastating news that his brother had passed away. This led to another delay in the filming. This wouldn't be the last setback, though. The next thing that happened in the filming process is a bird flew onto set and actually flew into one of the circuit breakers on the set, causing a huge fire, which really destroyed nearly the entire set, except for one area. The only part of the set spared was the area which was the set of Reagan's bedroom. This is where all the filmed exorcism scenes were done. Not only was her room spared, but it had no damage whatsoever. I mean, what are the chances of that, right? After the fire, it took the crew six weeks to rebuild the sets, putting them six weeks behind in production. This was early in the filming process, but it was a major setback for the entire project and was a big reason the budget went so out of control. Those involved were starting to get a little spooked because of the incident, which could have been due to the scary nature of the movie they were filming, right? I mean, kind of creepy. What the director did is he had a priest come and bless the set to make everyone involved feel more comfortable. And if there was something present at the studio, it would cleanse them of any negative spirit or energy. But it didn't help, as this wasn't the last setback. Somehow on set, another issue happened with an element, but it wasn't fire this time, it was water. The sprinkler system on set malfunctioned and the set was damaged yet again. This time, another delay to fix the set. There was more going on than just fire and floods, though. There were some major injuries on set as well. There was a skilled carpenter that was repairing something on set when his thumb was accidentally cut clean off. And it was really surprising as he was a really careful man. And you might chalk this up to a freak accident, right? Though not too long after that, Another crew member working on lighting lost his toe in another accident. Linda Blair, who again played Reagan, was one of the worst injuries. She was shooting an exorcism scene on the set in Reagan's room. And during this particular scene, she's strapped down onto the bed and she's wildly convulsing as she's in a state of full possession. All of a sudden during this scene, there was a rigging issue causing Linda to be jerked so forcefully that she actually fractured her spine. And the actress who played her mother had a similar issue with the rigging during filming. There is a scene where the possessed Reagan throws her mother across the room. And due to the rigging issue, it resulted in a spinal injury and her fracturing her tailbone. It was so bad that she couldn't film for two weeks and had to use crutches for the rest of production. And it's stated that her injuries continued to bother her throughout the rest of her life. And injuries are horrible, but it could be much worse. 
they could have suffered the fate of many others associated with the project, as there are many deaths associated with the Exorcist movie. The actor Jack McGrawan was killed in the movie. He's actually the character that is attacked by Reagan while she's possessed, and she ends up breaking his neck and throwing him outside of her bedroom window. Though, I wonder if this faded him in real life because of the curse associated with the movie. A week after completing the filming of his scenes where his character died, Jack caught a really bad case of the flu. He sought medical treatment but ended up passing away due to further complications associated with the flu virus. And one person dying of an illness, it's a coincidence. But what about when there's more? The woman named Vasiliki Maliados had never been in a movie before, but this was her big break. She was excited to join the film and played father Kara's mom. In the movie, the mother is hospitalized and she later dies. And again, before the movie could be released, the curse struck yet again. The actress ended up passing away and an autopsy ruled it of natural causes. But the devil can be sneaky, right? In addition to these more infamous deaths, there were more. They included the night watchman of the set, the operator of the refrigeration system on set, and sadly, one of the cameramen who was filming the movie lost his newborn baby. I'm guessing by now you can see why people say this movie may be cursed. There's deaths, injuries, accidents, and the worst part is, I'm not even done. Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, was luckily spared physically from the curse, but we can't say the same for his family. Jason and his son were enjoying a really beautiful day at the beach while he wasn't filming when all of a sudden a motorcycle comes racing around a corner and runs right into Jason's son. His son had to be rushed to the emergency room via ambulance where he was put into intensive care. He required quite a number of weeks to recover and leave the hospital. And the voice actress Mercedes McCambridge, she was the voice of Reagan while she was possessed by the demon. She also experienced a family tragedy, and hers was probably the worst. Her son ended up committing suicide, but he didn't just take his life. Before he killed himself, he also killed his wife and their children. So after hearing all this, I'm sure you aren't surprised that the filming took longer than normal, went over budget, and more importantly, why people think the movie is cursed. The director of the movie was named William Friedkin, and he was convinced the set had some kind of paranormal activity that was causing all the things that were happening on set and to the crew. In an interview, he stated, quote, After all I've seen on this film, I definitely believe in demonic possession. We were plagued by strange and sinister things from the beginning, end quote. He went on to talk about how some of the scenes in the movie filmed so well due to the things that could not be explained. 
and luckily for him, they turned out creepier than he could have ever imagined. I guess in some ways, maybe he was thanking the entities or curse that was sabotaging his film and crew as it helped this movie be better than what he could have imagined. The special effects supervisor backed up what William Friedkin stated as well. He talked about how he never felt comfortable while on set and that he always had a feeling something bad was going to happen. And outside of those involved in the film, others talked about how unclean the film was. One of those voices was the famous preacher Billy Graham himself who commented on the film saying the entire thing was cursed and that the movie delivered messages from the devil himself. That's quite a number of incidents happening on a movie set that took six months to film. So was it cursed or were these mere coincidences? Well, they say the devil is in the details, so let's dive in a little further into the movie and the curse itself. But before I do so, I wanted to give you all a wonderful podcast recommendation from a fellow Boo Pod member called Murder Road Trip. These two hosts do an amazing job of getting you engaged and wanting to listen to the next episode. So here is their trailer. Hey, I'm Shan. And I'm Troy. And we are going on a little murder road trip where every Sunday we take you to a new state alphabetically to tell you the story of murder, spooks, and everything in between. Yes, join us every Sunday for bad jokes, murder, and ghosts. It doesn't get much better than that. So grab your snackies, get on in, and we're going to go on a murder road trip. Well, I hope you enjoyed their trailer. And if you did, I hope that you'll check them out and give their full episodes a listen. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And after you're finished, don't forget to follow and rate their podcast to let them know that you appreciate what they're doing. And while you're at it, if you haven't already done so, don't forget to do it for this podcast. But now, let's get into the story. I want to start with the fanfare around the movie. The reports of the fainting, the ambulances, and all the reports that made this movie a topic on everyone's tongues. The movie is said to be one of the first really great viral marketing campaigns. Before the movie hit theaters, the marketing team for Warner Brothers movies had already started pumping out rumors about how the movie was cursed. By the time it hit theaters, this was already the talk throughout the world. After the film was released, it said that Warner Brothers marketing really sold people's reaction to the movie, causing word of mouth about it to spread better than any preview could ever do. They did things such as hire ambulances to sit outside of movie theaters. They handed out exorcist vomit bags to moviegoers and other various tactics to really drive in how scary this movie was. This caused many to have to see what all the hype was about and see the movie. To liken this to a more recent movie like this that many of you might recall, I would compare it to the marketing for the Blair Witch Project. Do you think so many people would have gone to theaters without the clever marketing from them? I mean, by the time the Blair Witch Project hit movie theaters, most people thought it was a true story based on raw footage and flocked to the theaters to see it. 
it made it a huge success through the brilliant marketing. All in all, a genius marketing tactic for both movies. I mean, for the Exorcist movie, was it just marketing? Or were they just capitalizing on a real curse that haunted the movie before, during, and after production? To answer that, we need to dive a little deeper and look at the director of the movie, William Friedkin himself. First, let's look at some of the quotes I talked about earlier. He talked about how after everything that happened on set, he now believes in demonic possession. That quote in particular struck me as odd. That's like me saying, hey, I saw a ghost, now I believe in demonic possession. I mean, that makes no sense. Other than filming, no one on set spoke of being possessed and no one reported actually seeing anything paranormal. From strange events leading to believing in possessions is quite a leap. And this leads me to believe maybe he was marketing for his movie when he said this. This also leads me to talk about his next quote I mentioned earlier, where Friedkin spoke of how the unexplained aided in making the movie scarier in scenes than he could have made it possible. Though if we look at what the actors on set say, there's a little different spin on the dramatic filming. Let's look at the spinal injury suffered by Linda Blair during the filming of one of the exorcisms. When she was strapped down to the bed, the strapping was put on way too loosely, which caused her to be tossed around so wildly, which resulted in her fracture. That sounds more like people being lax in safety versus the supernatural. Now, moving on to the injuries suffered by the actress playing Reagan's mother. During Reagan's possession scene, she shoves her mother across the room. And this is supposed to be controlled with a rigging system so she doesn't get harmed. But the man managing this is said to have pulled way harder than necessary, causing the actress to hit the floor at a high speed and fracture her spine. So, yes, the scenes turned out better than expected, as the scream from the actress at that point was a scream of pure pain. And the reactions from Linda on the bed, they were the same. Pain. In an interview with the actress that played Reagan's mom, she stated that she told the director that she was being pulled way too hard during filming and was worried she was going to get hurt. Allegedly, he told her it needed to look real, and basically that this is what it would take. She said, directly after their conversation, she looked over and saw the director make a signal. And after that, during her scene, she was violently thrown to the floor. And afterwards, it was found her rigging was too loose also. In the scene, she's crying and she's screaming. And that amazing acting you see in that scene, in the movie, it wasn't acting. She was in severe pain, and you can see it in her face. I work in physical therapy by trade, and I've seen a ton of spinal injuries and fractures. They are extremely painful, and I can't imagine having your pain put on display for the world to see. So when you watch that movie, that's what you'll see because that scene made it into the film. And what does Friedkin say? He stated, quote, 
I'm sure she was hurt by the fall. I mean, you fall on your backside, it's going to hurt. But she wasn't injured. End quote. Well, this is hearsay, right? Just one or two actresses claiming things. And I'd agree if that was the end of the claims about Friedkin. But they're not. Friedkin truly believed in the need for acting to look real. So genuine reactions to something are the best thing, right? Well, that's hard to pull off when you are acting. So let's find out how Friedkin obtained genuine true reactions to all the scenes. One example was with the actor who played Father Dyer named William O'Malley. It had been a long day of shooting, but the director kept pressing the cast for the perfect scene. O'Malley was shooting the scene where he is giving the last rites to the dying father, Karis, at the end of the movie. Friedkin kept yelling, cut, do it again, do it again. As he stated, there wasn't enough emotion behind the last rites. He said it looked like O'Malley was just kind of going through the motions. O'Malley asked to take a break, cut, and tried another day as this was already take 15 and it was 2.30 in the morning. Everyone was exhausted. But Friedkin wanted it done, and he found another way to get the scene that night. He went up to O'Malley and slapped him hard right in the face. And O'Malley in the scene shows a very shaken, solemn face, which is just what the director wanted. Cut, scene acquired. This was just one instance of him getting the reaction he wanted by any means possible. Sometimes he needed the actor to look shocked during a scene. So he'd fire a blank from a gun randomly, which of course would elicit a complete look of shock. In the famous scene where Reagan projectile vomits, this was also steered by the director, though probably one of his less horrid methods. The vomit that comes out of Reagan's mouth is pea soup, and this does change my thoughts on dinner tonight, possibly. But the director told the actor that the soup would be hitting him in the chest. So the actor was ready. They had rehearsed it numerous times this way, and filming began. They began filming, and when that scene takes place, you know what happens if you've seen the movie. It doesn't hit the man in the chest. It hits him square in the face. That's why in the movie, you truly do see the actor having a shocked and disgusted face. Friedkin didn't seem to care about the safety or comfort level of the actors and crew on set. Another example of this involves the temperature on set. During certain scenes, Friedkin wanted the room to be extremely cold. He wanted the audience to know it was cold, so they would know this by seeing the actor's breath when they spoke. Friedkin had a refrigeration system installed that could regulate the temperature on set as low as 20 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. It got so cold in there that on an exceptionally humid day, snow actually fell on set. The staff stated that Zero degrees would give Friedkin the effect he wanted. They'd be able to see the actor's breath and people would know it was cold. But the director didn't think this was going to be good enough to bring on a great performance from his actors. 
So he ordered the crew to turn the refrigeration system to the lowest it could go, 20 degrees below zero. It was always so cold on set that it's reported that after this, Linda Blair came to have an extreme dislike of the cold. And you can't blame her as the poor girl had to be in that room wearing only a thin nightgown. So far, the set seems to have been dangerous because of the director's needs for things to seem real and just people overlooking safety, which is maybe why people lost their fingers and toes and the two actresses were hurt. But what about the deaths? Linda Blair's grandfather did die early in filming, but the man was over 80 years old. Doesn't sound very cursed to me. It sounds like he died of old age. But what about the death of Max von Sydow's brother, where he had to leave for his home country to attend the funeral? Well, this death does raise some questions for me, as ancestry records do not show he had a brother and neither do any of his biographies. So why did they just make up a brother who died? As for Vasiliki Maliados, who was the mother of the priest who died in the hospital in the movie, well, this one is probably the least cursed. The woman was 89 years old. The other deaths from those not in the film, such as the doorman, those can't be confirmed or denied, so you can decide on those for yourself. And what did Blatty, the author and writer of the film, say about this so-called exorcist curse? Well, when asked about the curse, he stated, quote, There is no exorcist curse. I am the exorcist curse. End quote. Blatty also stated that, quote, Nothing inexplicable happened at all. End quote. For this episode, I am jumping on the skeptical train on this, as it seems to me that this was all poor safety, an overfocused director, and some great marketing. Though, I've been wrong once or twice before. The curse has also been blamed for the poor rating and review of Exorcist films and series that have come after this, but if you've seen them, you can probably guess why they didn't get any rave reviews. Which sadly, this brings us to the end of our three-part series on the exorcism of Roland Doe. We covered the story of Roland Doe and the movie, but the question is, where do you stand? There was possibly a possession and exorcism, and then a movie that marketed on this possession. Please let me know what you think is the true story. I hope you enjoyed all three episodes on the exorcism and the exorcism movie. If you did, make sure you rate and review this podcast wherever you tune in as it really helps this podcast move forward and you can make sure you're alerted when the next episode airs. I will be posting social media stories and pictures based on this episode, so make sure you follow on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, or you can always shoot an email to paranormalexposedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. And I will catch you all next Wednesday.